Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Difference Maker Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Calderoni, and today's guest, we've got Eric Silverman from the Dallas Stars Elite Hockey Club in Texas. I'm super excited to have you in here, um, Eric, because, you know, like we've been talking back and forth a little bit, speaking on the different things that we've, you know, got going on on both sides, your side, our side, and um, it's just awesome to have you in here to kind of hear your thoughts and development. I think it's important. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time and look forward to connecting here. Totally. So let's dive into it. So Eric, catch us up a little bit, um, you know, share your story a bit, show us where you're at, what your what your role is within your organization, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, I obviously grew up playing the game and was fortunate, played, you know, high level junior college, played pro. Uh, when I got done playing, actually took a college coaching job as my first, as my first job. And then... Um, after a year, the program actually folded. So oh, <laughs> I, I took a player development job. We folded late. It was tough to get a different job. I took a player development job, which was pretty cool. I got to work with American League teams all the way down to young kids. And, and the guy who ran the company just told me to go live somewhere central that he can fly me all <laughs> over the country. And I was traveling yeah. a lot. And I played the minors in Texas for a little bit. I knew some people in Dallas. I was like, you know what? I'll go spend a year in Dallas. And do it. And here we are. I don't know. But is it 20 years later almost? And I'm still here. It wasn't anything I expected. (laughs) But, you know, I I met some people who dragged me into the youth hockey scene here. And, um, you know, there was a great opportunity, though. It was interesting. It was you saw a lot of players here, but the youth organization, the youth culture here was very kind of unorganized. And you saw a lot Mm -hmm. of the potential. And, you know, there was a lot of former players like myself that settled down here so was fortunate to to get a group together and we started the stars program i want to say it was about 13 14 years ago and um wow we've been very fortunate to have a lot of success a lot of great alumni come through our program and it's it's been it's been really enjoyable and and so um that's fantastic so i was going to say so what really kept you in there then was the passion for youth development if I'm listening to you right. For sure. For sure. I think, you know, Dallas is a really good town. The stars do an unbelievable job here uh, with the growth of the game. They have a bunch of ranks and facilities and, and, you know, my, my thoughts and, and the first time someone asked me to get involved and, and asked me my opinion on what I saw, it was, it was a ton of untapped resources. It was a ton of opportunity. Right. Um, you know, the, the facilities are first class. There's resources from a training perspective. There's a lot of good athletes down here. So it was just finding a way to, to get things run the right way, get everyone pulling in the same direction and, and you know, find create a, a great organization that can develop players. And we've been fortunate to took a little time, but, you know, we feel sure. like we're we've made a lot of progress and there's, there's a lot of good things coming in this market right now. So, and you know, it's, it's funny that you say that too, with the whole time aspect, because we've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of developmental organizations. Like, as you know, the Chicago steel, we've got a couple local ones here in Toronto that we work with, but it's like, you know, what's funny about all these programs that I think a lot of people miss sometimes is the true patience behind starting a development program and letting it run its course. Because, you know, I think we feel like we can bring in, you know, we'll call them influencers in the market that will help bring all these fantastic players to an organization. When in reality, it's kind of, you touched on it beautifully. You're like, listen, there's a culture that's involved there. There is a value system that's involved. There's something you need to build. It's not about just recruiting the best players. It's about bringing in really the right mentality. 
and you've done a fantastic job at that, it seems. So what I want to kind of dive into in this next part is really understanding what are your pillars there? Let's go with first developing an organization because it's nice yep. since you can really also speak to the business population that we speak to in this side because you know, you've created something fantastic with that. But then also I want to talk about your pillars with development, your viewpoints that you have on, on what you really value there. So let's start with the organization side, building one. Teach us a bit about your uh, your pillars, if you will, for building something. Yeah, well, the, the first thing that, that I did was, you know, you got to surround yourself with good people. But, you know, you also have to make them, give them ownership in what we're doing. And, and so... Sure. When we, when we assembled our staff, everything we did was a collaboration. All decisions were made as a group. And, you know, I look at it as we're all partners in this and we have to all get on the same page. And don't get me wrong, there's disagreements and there's things we have. But I think, sure. you know, we, we have most of our original coaches still with us. And so we've kind of grown this thing together. We're all in it together. And, you know, I think we've built our organization based on communication, based on transparency, based on we're a player first organization. So like mm -hmm. everything we do is, is for the players. Um, and, and we've got a group of guys. And listen, we, we, it hasn't all been smooth. We had some guys that maybe we didn't feel fit what we were trying to do. We've had to make some, you know, tweaks and changes and adjustments over the years, but now we've gotten to a point where everyone understands it. Everyone's, pulling in the same direction and, and don't get me wrong, there's still disagreements, but we, we work sure. through them. And um, like I said, it's been all, it's all our staff and it's mm -hmm. all how everyone is bought into our organizational philosophy. And, and, you know, on the, on the, the pillars of development, I think, um, you know, we kind of, and we started about, you know, we, we will get together as a coaching staff and, and we're fortunate. We have, all of our coaches, head coaches, except one are full-time hockey. And they're from wow. a variety. We have a Russian, we have Canadians, we have Americans, wow. we have former NHL guys that have been on our staff. Most of our guys are former pro players. And so everyone brings unique perspectives and, and mm -hmm. unique things. And, but we kind of collaborated and came up with kind of our core foundation of what we want our players to do to look like that can go to any team in the future and play in any structure, any style. What is the foundation that is hard to teach an older player mm -hmm. that you have to get when you're younger? And I so we, we came up with probably four things. Um, I don't mind sharing our, our information here, but I mean, Please. essentially, you know, when you start in our program, the younger kids, the four things we focus on are, are first of all, just skill development. It's your mm -hmm. skating, stick handling, passing. I mean, you need to have a foundation of skills. Um, we look at puck movement and puck support as really important pillars. I think we've all seen the kid who's a great young youth hockey player, skates 100 miles an hour. Everyone's telling them, just go, 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 go. We want you, we want to win when we're nine. Yeah. Then well, that kid learns to play with his head down, not yep. a good team player. And what, we, sorry, what do we call that, man? It's it's winning without <laughs> relevance, right? Like honestly, well, exactly. There's, and then, there's but no then what relevance. happens is that player, while he's great when he's nine, ten, he's developed that foundation of of not getting the right things, and he can't play when he's older. He can't make teams yep. when he's older. So we we so it's those things. It's uh, competing. I mean, at the end of the day, in any sport, any athlete, you have to sure. be a competitor. And then the other thing is just fostering a love for the game. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you know, if you take a player and 
they have good skills. They see the ice well because they move the puck. They know how to support the puck, and they compete, and they love hockey. You can go any coach in any level can, can take that kid, teach them any system, any structure, anything they want to do. But if you're missing those things, and I'm not saying we're, we're 100% across the sure. board, every one of our players is dialed in at those things, but those are the, the areas that we've really put a focus on with our younger teams. And if you watch our practice, like we don't tell our coach, like our coaches aren't judged based on winning and losing. They're based on, you know, our practices are very skills focused and focus on those areas. The way we play, we encourage creativity. We want guys to make plays. We, you know, and, and I think what we're starting to see is, is um, a lot of results at the older levels now based on, what we we started at the younger levels and it's tough when you go to some of these events and these kids are playing elaborate structure and our guys look a little lost and the parents get pissed because we lost (laughs) but like i said i think we we've been doing it long enough now and we now we can go to our families and say oh this guy came through our program and that guy came through our program and look how they're doing and that's really helped i think that's been something from an educational perspective that we've got a lot of buy-in now. And even to talk on that too, it's like, it's funny because we, we said it at the start, right? How you've got this structure behind what you're doing and you're letting something take its shape to develop. It's like, yeah, I mean, you have to be able to stick out those first couple years, but it's, it's funny because I always, I'm not, I used to be a soccer player. I'm not biasedly going back to it, but it's like European <laughs> soccer, right? It's like, you look at some of the best development academies in the world for European soccer and the way they do things. And it's like from the ages of about eight or nine at intake through to the age of about 12, they don't even give any stock to who's the best goal scorer, who's this, who's that. Yeah. They will absolutely ridicule though, the players that have poor technique. And that it's funny that you talk about those old habits or those, those habits going forward, sorry, because even then when I went to go play, like from Canada to Italy, where my family's originally from, I was getting corrected at 19 years old on the basics that they were almost looking at it saying as if like, what did they teach you over there? Right. And it's funny because we don't, we really hear stories like this, but we don't really buy into it until we experience it ourselves. And I really wish that's something that parents would just grasp on fully because there's a lot of talk about it. But I can even say from the mental side, like there's so many even NHL players that we get in contact with that we work with and get referred to us that then when we're working with them, it's like, well, what's like, what's the issue going on here? And it's basic core fundamental beliefs. Like we see beliefs like basic skills you guys do. And it's like basic fundamental beliefs that were maybe jeopardized when they were younger, maybe, you know, controlled the wrong ways when they were younger that are now eating them alive when they're older. Right. So having these little things in place are important. Go ahead. I'll tell you something that's cool that we've done. Um, Please. So years ago, we started doing it's just internal for our own information an organizational depth chart. So every birth year, the coach just ranks the players from, you know, one to 15, whatever, however many guys are on the team, just and we don't do anything with it except just keep it there just to refer to. But we have data you know, now going back where we saw the a birth year when they were, you know, a 10U and a 12U and a 14U and a 16U. And, and so we've seen the kids that maybe have stayed on top, maybe the kids that started on top were in the bottom or the kids that were the bottom of the top or, and we've tried to identify 
what are the traits that made this kid stay on the top the whole time? Or why did this kid fall? Or why did this kid rise? And I think, you know, having that data has been helpful to even see just in, in real world situations, what's made players successful. And, and, and again, I keep coming back to that. We keep finding the same things of, you know, the passion, the, you know, the, the competitiveness, you know, some of the, the IQ stuff and skills. And so let me ask you, um, have you guys, or how much have you guys tied that also back to let's call it like parental conditioning, who the parents are, what values they push on the players? Like, have you guys gone that deep into it or is it more so just the player? I mean, we do try to educate our families, you know, like any youth, youth sport, I'm a parent myself. We're all passionate mm-hmm. on our children and we want the best for our children. And, you know, in hockey in Texas, I think the parents are getting more educated, but something we get a lot is I don't know anything about hockey. Hockey wasn't even here when I was growing up. And so, sure. you know, you try to educate, you know, early on, we had some challenges because we wanted to establish a culture that was maybe a little different from how things were done here. And we lost some of the top players the first couple of years that wanted X, Y, and Z promise to them, which wasn't reality and wanted to mm-hmm. dictate. And we just said, that's not how we're doing things. You know, good luck to you. And I'm sorry, what now is I that, think, what is that culture that's normal around there? Just familiarize the audience. Well, you mean back then? Yes, well, back exactly. then the, like the recruiting to. was oh you, you you know people recruiting and offering free deals to the best players and promising them this and promising them this line mate and this this line it's all nonsense like yep. it's just recruiting to to do it and we just said you know I'll give you from a financial perspective we're in need if you have a, we have a scholarship program if you're need based there's a program that will prove if you're need based but oh, I mean God. there used to be parents showing up at the rink and Mercedes bragging how the organizations, other organizations are letting them play for free because their kid's the best. Well, all that does is put resentment in the other families that are doing that. So like little things like that, I once had a a parent come up to me and said, I really want to play for you, but I got to guarantee my kid first line, first power play. And I'm like, I could, I'm like, any coach can tell you that, but like, they'll be lying. Like, yep. If your kid's good enough and deserves that, that's what he'll get. If he's not good enough, and 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 I'm just like I'm not just little things like that that I think, and, and yes. you probably still see in a lot of you know places. We just said, you know, we're going to do our best to do what we believe's right, and and over time we'll you know we'll work out. And and fortunately for us, I think you know it's it's turned out really good. It's funny you say that because we've had a big like sway here within our own coaches and culture at, at Molotium, like growing it out and doing our thing. And it's like, so what's, what's the thing that matters most? My brother and I were talking about this this morning in one of our meetings and we were saying like, sometimes coaches forget that it's the athlete or the client that's the hero and they're just the guide. Right. And it's, it's funny because if you can really foster a culture behind that, a lot of people will get behind you. Like, I mean, look at what you guys did knowingly or not. There was a study done to nerd out on you for a second, but there's something called talent hotbeds. It goes back to a book, um, the talent code. I know a lot of people have read it, but in the book, they talk about how these talent hotbeds, there's these places where players come out or talent comes out from musicians to athletes, to actors and actresses. And they're finding that in these talent hotbeds, there's a certain kind of deep practice they do, but more importantly, there's a high value system behind these, these places. And it's like, they don't break that code. They don't break those values for anything. It's an everybody plays by the same rules mentality within the culture. 
this kind of pivots me to my next point that I wanted to talk with you about, which is this whole side behind holistic development. I mean, again, a lot of people discuss it. I don't know how many people truly practice it. What do you guys do to have that value-based holistic kind of development with your athletes? Like, I'm not asking you for the grit and grime of it. Of You know, we have this and that and the other. I mean, yep. like, what are the general philosophies behind it? Do you guys have certain experts you bring in? Are you guys more focused on internalizing that? What do you like to do? Um, you know, every year we're, we're trying to do different things. So something we added a couple of years ago. Well, first of all, just, you know, our overall program, we try to develop on a hockey side from a holistic perspective. And, and I went by that, like a player development first, mentality like we talked about before valuing at the younger levels of building a foundation that's going to help the players be the best they can when as they're older not necessarily yep. worried about you know winning the 10 you you know championship yes. or you know then we do things like we just hired an off-ice performance staff so now we have a full-time staff of people that are working on things like off-ice athlete development nutrition um Right in our building, we've got that. We do things like we actually shut down our program for two months in the summer. I know a lot of people want to wanna, wanna um, play hockey 12 months a year, but the reality is like these are still young developing athletes that need to do other things and need to be well-rounded human beings and maybe get involved in some other stuff. So like we from middle of June to middle of August, we shut down our program. And that doesn't mean there's not opportunities for kids that want to do things. But, you know, I think, you know, if we wanted to run 12 months a year and have the kids in, people would do it. But there's just little things that we feel like our goal is is to develop, you know, the best well-rounded players, people, all those kind of things. And, And I think we've been pretty fortunate of you know, having some success doing it and, and seeing some of our, our alumni doing really well at high levels and they all still come back. We actually, the, it's funny, the one thing we do in the summer is we run a program for our junior college and pro players that are, are off and there's, you know, 30 kids out, 30, actually they're not kids anymore, but we got, you know, had 30 <laughs> guys on the ice yesterday that are everything from NHL sign players to, North American Hockey League players to USHL guys, and they all come back and, you know, um, so those kind of things are pretty cool that that they want to come back and they want to train here. But I think overall, I mean, you know, holistically, we're just trying, we're always trying to provide resources, like even what you and I had talked about, you know, when we first discussed about, you know, a lot of the mental things and, you know, we're, we're, we're very open-minded and and we're always trying to find opportunities that we can get better and yeah you know um i think and it's funny to- it's funny because sorry to, like this so this blows my mind about youth sport i love what you guys did with the whole mid-june to mid-august break so like this is the ironic scenario behind parents sometimes of high-performing athletes right they say i want my son or daughter to be treated like a pro okay so let's look at what a, tr- a pro really goes through There's a month-long preseason. Then there is an in-season portion. Then there is an off-season portion. That off-season portion, they seem to have a completely different mentality of what that actually means, where if they could, like you said, they would keep these kids in sports for about 12 months a year. Horrible idea, right? Injuries spike up. Players don't get the break. Like I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've seen this, Eric, but like how many players that we've dealt with at a youth level who – 
overdo it to an extent that yes, they love the sport, but then by like October coming into a hockey season, for example, they hate it because they've been doing hockey since literally the end of May. They haven't taken a break. They're coming through it. Their bodies are weak. Their minds are weak. They're, you know, not on top of their stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, that kind of sexiness factor, if you will, of coming back to a sport after not seeing it for a couple months, or at least seeing it in this competitive environment. It's so, it's so misjudged a lot of the times because it's like, you got to think of it. I mean, we were both pro athletes, right? And it's like, I don't know about you, Eric, when I came back from a summer, I loved showing off what I just built. <laughs> right. And it's well, like, I, I could tell you something funny and you might please. be more an expert at this than me, but when I played, you go through your season and it's just a grind and you're learning new yes. things and there's so much going on. And, and what I, how I would always do it is when the season ended, I'd take about the first week or two and literally do nothing. I wouldn't work out. I wouldn't go to the rink. I wouldn't do anything. Then I'd start with off ice. I'd get in the mm -hmm. gym pretty hard. And after about four or five weeks away from the rink, I'd start getting back on the ice. Sure. And for some reason, I felt like when I got back on the ice, I was a better player. I feel like everything I learned the year before that maybe you're picking up bits and pieces kind of all came together. And, I, and there's got to be some sort of science behind it, but I, I don't know why that was. And I, I, I try to talk to our guys about that a lot. I've got a funny story for you. We have a Please. really good player in our program, a really high-end kid, like one of the best players in the country. And his dad called me about something last year and I said, hey, like get your kid off the ice for a month. Trust me, He's like ah, we kind of feel like, you know, if we, uh, you know, if we're not doing something, someone's going to pass us by. And I was like, and I kind of explained to him. So, a couple days later, one of our NHL alums reached out to me and said, "Hey, we got like ten guys in town. They want to skate, and all NHL players. Will you come run a skate for us?" I said, "Sure." So I get out there, and I'm like, "All right, what do you guys want?" Like. You know, you guys are looking to skate. What, like, what are you looking for? And they're like, oh, we haven't been on the ice since our last playoff game. It's probably been <laughs> six weeks since we've touched the ice. Take it easy on yes, us today. Man. So I called the dad. And I was like, hey, like, just so you know, I just skated with 10 NHL guys. And some were pretty high-profile players. And I yes. said, they were all off the ice. I think the, the least guy was like five weeks. It was their first time back wow. on for all of them. They were off five, six, eight weeks. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, I guess if it's good enough for them to take a break, <laughs> like it might be something we got to start thinking about. And Man. so it was a pretty funny story. Well, but, it's funny yeah. you say that too, Eric. So there's two things I want to hit on quick. But so first thing you said about the whole story part, it's funny you say that because a lot of the times that we're working with like youth athletes or we got our youth system going on here, the development side, we literally have to say to the parents that call, we do this with every pro. And the moment we put those words in front of the tool that we give them or whatever, it's like a complete switch. And it's, it is, I guess, social proof, authoritative figuring, whatever you want to call it. But on the second side, what's very interesting about that, you said something there where you step back and it's like two weeks later, a week later, you become a better player. So it's funny because if, even if you look at sleep, right, the reason that we push sleep, yes, there's, you know, physical benefits and so on, but the mental benefits are that that's where your cognitive learning and a lot of that gets done, associations are built and whatnot. So it's funny because if you dive deep into studies on self-awareness and self-reflection, we actually, and this is a major plug, just made a YouTube video on this for leadership. So leaders, so what they found is leaders who actually go to higher levels have to reflect and be more self-aware. The reason they have to do that is because there's so much more of an input of information coming in around them, right? When you're a leader now, you're responsible for other people. 
it's funny because when they find that with athletes who've learned a lot throughout a season, like you just mentioned, where this whole thing comes into play is you move so damn fast throughout the season that you're not even giving yourself time to recharge and understand what you're doing, especially if you're not somebody who has, you know, things in place to actually do the stuff like reflection. Like we would like to ideally say, Hey, every week, Eric, we got our players reflecting and they know everything. No, man, I'm telling you, like it all comes out in the summer when we're like, so what did you learn this year? And we spend an hour with them just talking about the points. And it's like, holy, like, look at everything coming through. And I think it's, it's such an important part of just human development. But the fact that you guys even, even think ahead to doing that, I know it's something minor, but it is all in the details, right? So little things like that. I had my tryouts last week. Yeah. I had my tryouts last week and I coached our 16s and we did a, a little player parent meeting right after we, we picked the final team. And I said to him, I said, brilliant. Like, here's what I'd like you to do the next week. Go be an idiot. 16 year old, go play your video games, hang out with your buddies, eat your fast, like whatever it is to do. Sure. Like don't think about training hockey, anything. Then I said, get back in the gym. And I said to him, I, I don't care if you touch the ice till August, like mm-hmm. get away. And, but it's your off season. Now it's getting bigger at this age. It's getting bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. Like that's important. But, and listen, not everybody listens, but yep. we, it is something we, we do, you know, make a point to educate on and, and, you know, at least provide the information to people. So I love that. So we're getting into the last little bit here and I wanted to make sure I covered this topic because we've got a lot of great stuff behind this. There's so much value in this. So let's talk about pushing coaches through because this was an interesting one when I was texting about the combo I wanted to have. And I loved, 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 Eric, that you were brutally honest with it because for me, number one, so it's, it's funny because it's actually like a rare quality that you see now of like good programs. So I asked you, I said, so what system you guys have in place? What, what do you really do to actively push coaches to the next level? And you came back with, you know what? A lot of our coaches actually haven't left. There's a lot of OGs here in your own words. You said it. And we don't really like let, well, we let them go if they want, but no one really wants to go. I want you to share that dynamic with us and why you feel that's the case. There's such a, it sounds like a dying and, and fantastic, we'll call it, you know, attachment to this organization. I want you to teach us why you feel that is. Well, I I think, like I mentioned earlier, something we've, we've tried to do is, is make it a, a, a we organization where like this said decisions aren't, this isn't a, you know, an authoritarian system. All of our coaches are very involved in, in everything that we do and every decision that we do. And they're empowered to, you know, be part. And I think they all look at it as their organization. Um, you know, this is a good market. It's a good level. I think there's good people here. The NHL team's great to us. Um, and we've had guys like the NHL star skills coaches on our staff. He's had offers to go do other things. I've had offers at a variety of levels. And that's sure. not to say for, you know, we've had coaches scouting on junior staffs, offered different junior jobs or college jobs. And, and again, um, we would be thrilled for anyone that that chose to do it. But I think, you know, the I think guys know the grass isn't always greener. And we there have been some people over the years that have left for higher levels and come back and said, ah, that wasn't all it was really cracked up to be. And <laughs> so, um, like I said, we're we're certainly would be thrilled for any of our guys um, if they received an opportunity and they took it. And, and we do have a pipeline of guys that we are developing in the event that 
something opens up. But I think we've only had one coach leave um, in the last eight years. And he's actually rising through the business side and a little bit hockey side of an NHL front office. So like he's on a great path and we're, we're thrilled for him. Um, But you know, if someone does get an opportunity, we'd be thrilled for him. And, you know, there's been some junior teams call and I've recommended some guys and, you know, sometimes the opportunity is good for someone and sometimes it's not, but um, yeah, I think we've created a good culture. Um, The hockey community here is really healthy. And I think the guys are happy. I love that. Is the best way I can describe it. And it's funny too, because it's not even like, even when we were talking, we're going back and forth about it. It's like, we're not even holding guys back from it. We're not trying to prevent anybody from going. It's just the natural tide of how these things go. And that's, it's a great testament too to what you guys have also built on a business side. Right. And, you know, I feel like sometimes in youth sports, we neglect the fact that a lot of this is running a good business because you know, we try to put the kids first and that's very important, but you need to have structure. You need to have organization. You need to treat it seriously. Otherwise it'll never flow. And it's great because, you know, looking at you guys, you've got a fantastic org. You've got a fantastic way of developing players. You've got a great product. Like we're talking a product that speaks for itself. Everything's running smoothly, which is beyond amazing. So last thing I want to leave everybody with, if you had to leave Eric, everyone with, let's say one thing, that they can really take away that you really want them to remember about all of this that you just spoke about. I'm sure they'll listen back to it, but what is that one thing? I'll be honest with you. What I want to talk about. And, and if, if obviously a lot of the audience is, is youth players and, and families, yep. it's something we actually haven't even talked about, but I think the it biggest is. mistake that I've seen with players is being too much in a rush to get somewhere and skipping levels of development. Um, I've seen a lot of kids, maybe jump to junior before they're ready or jump to a level or try to play up before they're ready and hurt their development. And, and I think, you know, it, certain kids are ready to do that. But a, a thing that I've seen is just like run your own race, go at your own path and good players get to where they're supposed to get to. And there's not a, a script of this is how you get there. There's a lot of different, you know, we have two very famous NHL alumni right off the top of our head in, in Seth Jones and Blake Coleman. Um, Mm -hmm. Seth was a fast tracker. He was a U.S. program kid, you know, high first round pick. Blake was playing midget hockey for three years and went through two NHL drafts without even getting drafted. Went to a junior team that didn't even want him and had to go find a different junior team and just worked and worked and worked and worked and now he's got a couple Stanley Cups and nice contract. And it's just two completely <laughs> different different things. Yes. And, and I look at Blake, and Blake was here like right as we were starting our program, but I knew Blake. But like Blake wasn't even looked at as the top guy in our town at his age group. You know, really? and he just kept oh yeah, he um he was not looked at that. He was looked at as a very good player, don't get me wrong, yep. but I just like just people get caught up too much in what other people are doing. Oh, I heard this guy just committed, or I heard this guy's playing up, or I heard this guy's getting, and they worry about what everyone else is doing, where find a good program, find a good coach that you trust or a good organization and, and buy in and, and run your own race is would be the best message I can give anybody. I love that. I want to sit actually on that topic. You've opened up a whole can of good worms right here for a second. I want to sit on that topic <laughs> for sorry. a sec. Um, no, this is great. Teach me. Okay. So 
a guy like Blake, he's slowing it down. He's doing his thing. You obviously got to witness that as he was going through it. The Blake what was, was he, at like, yeah, go on. I was going to say, so like, what was that process like? Was it one with someone who was constantly frustrated? Was this a guy who rolled with the punches and was like, I'll find a way? Like, teach me about, teach us about that. So Blake is, was right at like when we were starting. Like, I think he was his last year as we were starting up. So while I know Blake, I don't, I don't have the, the day-to-day, you know, experience with Blake to tell you exactly what he was going through or, or anything sure. like that. I, I use Blake because I, I, we like to use Blake and Seth around here because they're completely, they're both great, successful NHL players from this market that's paths were so different. Yes. And it's, it's, we, we use it because, and, and, you know, what I'll say about Blake is he was a tireless worker that just his, he was always outworking everybody. And I think eventually that, that paid off for him. I mean, he was an animal in the weight room. He, he just worked, but again, he, he took a long path. Well, and what's funny about that too, is I was just writing it down. There's this anxiety that comes into players I've noticed when they don't truly understand, like there's this BS message I've found that to an extent we'll say advertising and media has pumped, which is athletes have only so much time on their plate. And it's like, I'm not arguing that. I do agree with that. My point is though, if you look at some athletes that get into a league really, really, really young, unless you're a phenom, those athletes still take time to develop under somebody's developmental reins, right? And it's like, there's no, there's really no difference between waiting to the age of let's say 22, 23 before you step into your first pro environment versus getting in there at 19 and taking the first couple years to then develop and then eventually stepping in at 22, 23. And that blows me away because we even see it with a steel where there are some phenomenal players that come in at the age of, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, even playing junior hockey that then go on at 20 years old playing for the university that they've always wanted to. And then we see them springboard at, you know, 22 about years old and they get that NHL contract. And it's like, these are players, these are regular conversations that we see with anxious parents, anxious players. And it's a narrative that's there, you know? Well, but the interesting thing out here is if you look at the Western league drafts at 14 years old and the USHL drafts at 15 years old. And so, Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids maybe don't get drafted or or get and 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 it's we really try hard to educate them like it's okay yes. like some of the best players we've ever had come out of this area weren't drafted but you also need to we do have fast trackers and we do have guys that are high NHL picks or national team kids or high you know we, we want to incur it's it's managing all the different scenarios and and trying to keep the dream alive and and again i've just i've seen a lot of people do some rash things when they don't get that instant draft or they see someone else is getting an opportunity and they're not and you know i would say that's probably the thing like we spend the most time on with our 14 15 16 was just telling them like don't pay attention to all the outside and you go be the best you you can be and if you're good enough, like I haven't seen anyone that's from this area in our program that I would say is deserved to get somewhere that didn't get there. No, maybe they think they deserve to get there, but like, you know, 
at the end of the day, as our staff, we haven't seen a guy who were like, oh my God, that guy should be, that eventually yes. hasn't, hasn't done it. And again, it's, it's on a different timeline. It's on a different pace, but good players, they get, they they get where they need to get to. Yeah. Well, last thing I'll wrap it up on. It's funny because a colleague of mine that works with a lot of high-end individuals in his own respect, he goes, Matt, the number one thing that allows all of these high-performing business people to stop being anxious is when I tell them, guys, you might not know the skill now, but you can learn it. And he's like, I know that sounds stupidly simple, but he's like, think about it, man. So you're not good at marketing. Learn it. And when you get good at it, you'll be fine. So you're not good at this. Learn it, right? And it's like, there's this false narrative. And and it's, I hate to say it, but I do see this a lot, especially in the hockey community and not just hockey, but sports in general. There is a bit of a pissing contest that parents get into with another of what I achieved versus you didn't. And it might be passive or subconscious, but it's really there. And I don't think they realize what that does to the kid because then, it's funny, like I, I've, I watched this pan out with one of the youth players we had with one of our coaches this year. And the coach was asking, like, what do I do with this parent? He's so worried about this player getting drafted here and doing this and that. And it's like, have you asked the kid how he felt? Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah. Don't worry about the parent. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you're lucky because that's a player in one aspect. But I've seen the extremes where the kid then gets beyond affected by the parent. It screws with everything that they're doing. And more importantly, they lose a passion for the game. Right. So it's really, really something that I think parents have to be maybe a little bit more stoic about and understand how it's impacting subconsciously or passively the kids just in their own environment and their own household and realize that they're actually diminishing the player instead of helping them get to the next level. So, well, that's what's cool for for us. Yeah. Having Mm -hmm. gone through it for so long now and having players at all levels that have been you know, maybe like we have the alumni network now where we could say, Oh, look at him. He's, you know, we got a top player at Notre Dame right now, the college team who wasn't drafted, wasn't anything, you know what I mean? And Hey, he got to where he wanted to get to, or, you know, we, we had a captain in the USHL a couple of years ago that wasn't, he didn't have the straight line, you know, so we have some different, you know, we, we try to really use the experience of the guys who have come through our program, both on the, both the Seth Jones and the fast trackers of the world and the guys that maybe took a little bit of a different path. And, 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 you know, while it's not a hundred percent effective, I think, you know, we've been pretty successful at keeping most of the people, you know, with keeping the vision and understanding the process. And again, you'll never get everyone where you need them to get to, but (laughs) I think the educational component we try to do has been certainly helpful for people. It's huge, man. No, this was an awesome, this was an awesome episode because it's honestly, it's a very well organized organization. It's a very well established one, but more importantly, you're actually, I know you're not getting everybody where you want them to, but realistically, and you know, this, you're getting the majority where you want them to go. And that's huge. It's, it's something that's a replicable process. And it's something that I think a lot of people need to realize when they are putting their kids in the hands of somebody who's going to develop them, not just as athletes, but of people as people, sorry, you really want to make sure that these individuals know what they're doing. So Eric, this was fantastic for anybody that's listening and tuning in. You can find so much out about Eric on Twitter. You can find out a lot of him on, on the social sides and so on with, you know, the Dallas stars elite programs and so on, but check it out. They've got a really cool thing going on there. And Eric, just thanks so much for being a part of this. Uh, my pleasure. I enjoyed it and I appreciate coming on.